eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You are joined by me, your host, David Davenport, and we've got in the room Rob and James. Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, mate. Thanks. Um, it's uh, nice that it's cooled down a little bit now. Last time we recorded, it was stinking hot and I was sweating all over the place, but a bit of a breeze today, nice and cooler. So, uh, so yeah, it's much better, thanks. Yeah, I think the weather reflected the the tension in the draft room. It was um, it was a good, fun, competitive draft. But now it'll be a lot. The tensions will be a lot cooler, as with the weather as well. So, James, how are you? Have you calmed down after the nerves of the draft on on Friday? Uh, yeah, but uh, if you hear any rumbles this time, it may be years my stomach, so <laughs> I haven't eaten yet. So um, let's see how this goes. But uh, yeah, nah, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be a good one. And today what we're going to be looking at is slightly different to what we've been doing over the last few weeks is looking at the different kinds of fantasy drafts out there and basic strategies in each one of them. So in this world of fantasy football, when I first started, it was very much a case of standard scoring, redraft, and you just loot year on year. But the more you get into it, the more you learn the different types are. And it makes it sometimes extremely difficult to know what is going on. Now, I know that I've been in drafts over the last couple of years whereby a tight end has gone first overall. And I've looked at the draft board and thought, why? Why have they taken the tight end there? But then looked into the settings a bit further and there's a massive tight end premium. So what we're going to be doing is looking into the show about all these different kinds of drafts, all the different kinds of strategies and how you can best win your draft to set you up for the season. So we mentioned it first, it is the standard scoring redraft league and it is probably the, well, I want to say the most basic, but that's doing it an injustice. Standard scoring, so that's no PPR redraft league. James, are you in many of those kind of leagues? I'm not actually sure if I'm in any now Um, because a lot of the sort of, you know, regular your ESPNs, your NFLs, your Yahoos, your sleepers, most of them seem to have ditched standard as their default. Mm-hmm. And I think that all the leagues I've ever been in that have been standard scoring have all been where that's just been the defaults and that's just the way it's gone. I think everything sort of went towards half PPR and full PPR, which we'll get onto later. So um, when I was starting out, there was plenty of standard leagues I was in. And uh, yeah, running backs had a bit of a premium in those days. It's, uh, well, you could, you could say they still do nowadays, but it's, uh, the gaps may not quite as wide. Yeah, of course. And standard scoring and PPR is is the easiest comparison to make those drafts there. But in the, the standard leagues, like you said, James, you will see those bell cow running backs go a lot, lot earlier. And there's a, there's a high possibility that in the first round of your league, you'll see nothing but running backs because those running backs that carry the ball 25 times a game are so valuable. However, in your PPR leagues, those reception monsters such as your Michael Thomases they creep up your draft board so much and it gives even more of a premium to players like Christian McCaffrey because of the receiving work that he can do as well as his running work. And actually my home league, the Tidy Bowl, is still a standard scoring uh, redraft league. I have 
floated the idea around a couple of times of, of PPR and Dynasty, but um, going into year eight this year, we are very much set in our ways with regards to the scoring. So, Rob, any any standard scoring leagues for you out there at all? Uh, I think I had one last year, which was um, actually what we were talking about off air, that I do an auction draft every year. And that was, I think that was standard last year. Um, but no, uh, my most of my leagues are either 0.5 or, or full PPR. And I prefer it that way, to be honest. Yeah, so the difference between half PPR and full PPR, of course, being that you get a half a point per reception in half PPR and a full point per reception in full PPR. So even if your play was to get a minus 10-yard catch, that would cancel each other out and you wouldn't lose any points for a, for a negative catch there. So that really does put the premium on those players that get the receptions. With running backs, you start to see in the middle rounds, players like James White, Tariq Cohen, really start to have some fantasy value as maybe your running back three in those kind of leagues because of the receiving work that they get out of the backfield. So, James, who is the, who is the running back that, that you like to target in the, towards the middle rounds of those leagues purely because of the, the points per reception value? It really depends how the board's playing. I think you named some of the best ones there. Um, I mean, it used to be almost called the Tevin Coleman rule from the Times in Atlanta where Freeman would run it on the ground and Coleman would catch it in the air um, back in those times. But, um, and it, or the Dion Lewis rule in New England. But... Uh, nowadays, it's a bit more spread out because a lot of the um, high-end running backs are also pass catchers. So your McCaffrey's, your Zeke's, your Saquon's are all catching the ball as well. So this is why they're going so high in drafts because you're getting their catch points and their running points, which say is why they are just so you know, magic dust, shall we say. But um, as you can see, I'm trying to stall time, trying to give my own answer to the middle question. But... Um, <laughs> To be fair, in most middle rounds, James White's been the one I've been specifically targeting a fair few times just because I can see a few dump-offs to the running back position with a new quarterback. I mean, if it is to be Cam Newton, uh, James White is as close as you're going to get to Christian McCaffrey. I know Sonny Michelle's there, but I don't... Yeah, it's going to be a bit more of a one-two, so... I'll leave that one up to the listeners to see how they think about that. But James White's the cheaper option. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rob, uh, PPR League, who do you like to target in the, the first rounds? If you were, let's say you were picking uh, in the three to five range, who are you who are you looking at getting there? Uh, at wide receiver, did you say? No, just who are you targeting? So running back wide oh. receiver. So if I'm picking, what, four, five or six... Um... I'm really hoping Ezekiel Elliott falls. Um, if not, it will be Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook for me at running back. Um, if not, Michael Thomas will be should be there. Um, if Zeke's not falling to the fourth or fifth pick, then Michael Thomas probably will. Um, and failing that, if uh, one of them is going to be on the board, hundred um, percent. But I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be against taking Devonta Adams at high either. So you're still drafting Zeke over the likes of Thomas and Adams at that point in the draft? Yeah, yeah. full full PPR. Um, Zeke Elliott's my uh, RB two um, behind McCaffrey in front of Saquon. So uh, so yeah, after after Saquon, um, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. Uh, but Joe Mixon's more of a, a swing pick slash second rounder for me. 
Fantastic. And we move over to Dynasty, Dynasty, however you want to say it. So in those leagues, you keep those players. So year on year, you don't lose any players at the end of the year. They remain on your roster for the next year. And we, we talk about a lot, especially in our trade of the day, trades for picks. So you can you have a rookie draft each year to pick any rookies that have gone into the into the NFL to join your team. And the ordering for that rookie draft depends on how you finished the year before. So the person that won your dynasty league, similar to the Super Bowl, will pick last. And the person that came last in your league will pick first. So we have a rookie draft each year in there. And that, that makes it more interesting because you've, you've got the age factor to consider there. If you're wanting somebody... People like Julio Jones, who've, who's now reaching 31, he's, he's going to have slightly less value than, than he would have done before. And Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas certainly have a lot more value, even though Julio this season is going to be up there in, in performance with those two. His, his dynasty value drops off there because, because of the age that we're looking at. So that's another real factor to consider there. And it makes it really interesting with the trades. So start up, any, any tips or tricks for a, a startup dynasty draft? So that is when you are doing a brand new one and you've got to pick every single player on the board. What are your top tips there, Robin Jones? Uh, I would say my, my top tip is to is to don't be afraid to still draft the old guys. Because although it's a dynasty league or dynasty league, um, and although you, you, you want a core of younger players that you can keep for many years, you know, the players, like you just said, Hudo Jones, you'll be able to pick Hudo Jones up a lot later than in redraft leagues, but he's still going to be valuable for the next two, maybe three, maybe four seasons. Yeah. And it's still a long time. Um, so his draft value in, in those uh, sort of strategies are, are, is really good. And so don't be afraid to take these guys. Don't be afraid to take Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be um, probably a mid-round pick um, just because he's a bit older. He's got a lot of miles on his, on, on his, on his legs. Uh, nonetheless, he's still a starting running back for a team which this season he particularly should be involved a lot more. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think uh, that's probably my top tip is don't be afraid to, to, to draft the older guys. Um, you know, but make sure you balance it out. And James, let's say we are in the, the fourth round and you've got a choice between the likes of Jerry Judy and Julio Jones, all the Jays in there in your, in your startup drafts. How, you, how are you picking there? Well, that's just going to go on to, to the tip I have, which is pretty much, it's very similar lines, which is you've probably got to make a decision early. Do you want to win now or do you want to win a few years down the line as in, do you want a chance in the first two years or do you want a chance of winning sort of three, four and five, essentially? Um, mm. If you want to be thinking, playing the long game, you go for the, your Jerry Judys. If you want to play the short game, you go for Julio. I mean, I'm always in the boat of, I like to win now and then try and get some capital for what I've got when it's starting to decline. Yeah. So there is a way that you can keep relevant, but you are going to get times where you're going to be the person in the doldrums getting the early picks. It's, the beauty of the system really um say so in a startup I'd, I'd always be the kind who'd go for julio but i've known plenty of people who would quite happily take judy ahead in that kind of scenario yeah well i'm, I'm one of these in this generation nowadays where we want instant gratification so um i'm not patient enough to be a part of a, a dynasty league and to, to build up i want i want to win now so i'm definitely in the camp of drafting julio there in the hope that i can i can win and it's about 
recognise it. It's all about value in in well every league, but particularly the dynasty, and that's where ADP comes into play. So ADP is average draft position, and that is a really useful tool that you can find to help you decide where players are going to go. And sites like Fantasy Football Calculator is a free-to-use tool, and they've got all different kinds of drafts and leagues where you can select dynasty or PPR, standard scoring, different numbers of teams. And what that will do is that will show you where players on average are going in drafts so you can start to build an idea in your head. So Rob, do you, t- do you tend to have a draft plan in your head at the start of the draft? Do you say, right, I'm going to select running back, wide receiver, running back, or is it best player available, or do you just see how it goes? Well, <clears throat> I do. I do tend to have a plan, and it differs year to year. Obviously, I think if you play fantasy football for the last few years, you, you kind of know that strategies change. But for me, particularly, I was always a fan of whatever I picked up in the first round. I'd do the opposite in the second, and okay. uh, then I'd pick the best available uh, in the third at running back or wide receiver, and then I would. Um, do the opposite in the fourth. So I'd always start my draft either wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back, or running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver. Uh, that's changed. That changed last year, and it's it's still in effect this year. Is I'm actually now finding myself going two, even three running backs in the first three rounds, just because those group of elite or very good running backs are very very few and far between in the first couple of rounds wide receiver is a hell of a lot deeper this this year particularly last year as well uh, so what i'm finding is i'm picking up quality wide receivers and we did i did say this in in our mock drafts and i did stick to it i, I didn't draft my wide receivers until the mid rounds because i think there's still really good quality there whereas running backs there is not a lot of quality so i'm i'm finding myself particularly last year and this year um drafting two maybe even three running backs in the first two or three picks Cool. And James, do you tend to have a, a draft plan or is it very much best player available or do you wing it? Um, I'll usually go into a, a live draft. So, you know, that's one where everyone's together. They pick a time and they draft as one. Um, I'll usually go into that with some kind of plan if, as long as I know my position. So I'll usually predict who I'm going to be left with in round one, sort of have an idea. I'm probably going to get this guy or this guy. Um unless you're 101, of course, and then you know who you're going to get. Yeah. It's your call. But it's it's then, usually I'm of the same opinion of the flip-flop approach, but quite often it will be how the board plays because unless you unless you're absolutely know what your opponents are going to pick, the draft can go quickly out of control. You, know, you can have a first round where Michael Thomas is the only wide receiver picked and suddenly you've got a whole host of people in the second round for then you've got all the other different quirks of leagues that we're going to come into probably in a minute um, that can also sort of skew your thinking. But um, in terms of the longer drafts, that's very, you know, so your email drafts. So these are ones where you'll get maybe eight hours to pick or maybe even 24 in some generous leagues um, where you can sort of see it slowly developing as people take their picks. And when it comes to you, you've probably got, a long time to decide so you're probably just going to wait and see when it gets to your pick so those ones i'm a lot more sort of fluid but then again try not to spend too long on it otherwise you overthink the pick um so especially in basketball 
Which leads us nicely on to best ball. So best ball being a format whereby the only thing that you do in your league is draft. And I like to think that drafting is the thing that I'm good at. And it is the sat there all week looking at your phone, trying to decide who to start, who to sit, who to trade that really causes me to overthink. And that's where I slip up in fantasy league. So I like to think I get the good crop of players to begin with. And then um, it is the performance that goes um, after that. So best ball, you select your draft picks and that is it. It will automatically select the best possible lineup for you on a week by week basis. And you have to take the rough with the smooth. So you will lose players through injury. You will um, also players that get traded, retire, like uh, Antonio Brown seems to do every season at the moment. You've, you've got to accept that. But the, the flip side is that each week, the best possible team will get selected. So yeah, we are currently doing a best ball draft at the full 10 yards, which we are enjoying. So what are the key things to be looking out for here, James, in a best ball draft? Well, best ball... You, your sort of players that you may want to pick slightly change because boom or bust players suddenly have an advantage. If you've got a player who you know one week can score you a, you know a good 20, 25 points, but on other weeks tends to go missing, um, it's actually almost a benefit because the weeks where they go boom, they're going to be in your lineup, and the weeks they go bust, you've got someone else. You just need to have a good mix between those steady players who you can rely on to be there every week, and then you need to supplement it with the boom or busts where the week you'd hope that one of them or two of them are going to hit each week to boost your score up massively. So that's the way it goes. You say, best of all, the beauty of it being, you know, you get to do the fun bit and then the game will effectively do the hard bit and and be able to apply that beautiful thing called hindsight. <laughs> um, but obviously the downside is that you're not quite as involved throughout the season. So you're just watching an algorithm play it out. So it's it's one of those where if you like to be hands on, it's whether whether it's for you, I don't know. But if you if you're pretty much one of those people who says, yeah, I love drafting, and that's about it, it's perfect for those. Yeah, I must admit this is my first year of best balling, and I have absolutely loved it. It's the it's the part of the season that I think I'm the best at, and like you say, you can just jump on one every single night, and then you're not having to manage. 100 leagues throughout the season because like you say it does the hard bit for you but I think the most important thing with best ball to remember is if somebody does get injured that is it they will not go into your team so it's making sure that you are drafting for example three tight ends if you've got kickers making sure you get three kickers just in case the worst happens and that first week your play goes on to IR and then you're then you're reliant on two tight ends then as soon as the bye comes along you have got that third tight end in place ready to, to score even if it's just 1.5 points I think it's so important to remember the depth and to make sure that you're covering every single position obviously with the defense it doesn't matter so much um, I tend to get two just in case one is a bust throughout the season but you're not going to have them get suspended or injured obviously you're going to get stars on there injured but they will score you, well, hopefully points every single week unless they score nothing or negative. But um, I always tend to get to, well, particularly A for the bye week and B just in case one of them is a bust. Uh, Rob, best ball, uh, what, what's your top tip? Um, well, 
like you, this is my first year of doing best ball. Uh, I've been playing fantasy for 15 years now, but I've never, never done best ball. So, uh, and funny enough, the draft that you just mentioned that we're currently in is actually my first ever best ball draft. So I'm probably not the best person to ask for <laughs> advice because I, I don't know. I've, I've never done it wrong. I've never done it right. Um, one thing I suddenly I, feel like an expert again. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I will say is, and, and I'm sort of piggybacking off what James said, is there's, there's certain players that are going to have a value. So um, to, to, just to name a couple, like um, Deshaun Jackson from uh, Philadelphia, very boom or bust player. I think he's going to be uh, a good sort of pickup later on in the draft. And I've just given myself away a little bit here, considering uh, you two are <laughs> in the draft with me. Um, but yeah, Don't yeah. worry, I'm not taking that gamble. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. It is a gamble. Um, but it's one of those that it could pay off because he, he could be the wide receiver one in Philadelphia this year. Um, you know, and there's, there's lots of players with that question mark. And I think those question marks, you could hit two or three of them and get really lucky. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you have to try approach it slightly different than you do in a, in a standard redraft league. Yeah, I think, but... to be honest, the, I'll, jump, I'll jump in this point. It's a, the, one of the key things that people forget, even though it's you know, draft and forget to some people, the important thing is the no trades and no waivers is the really big sort of yeah. thought process. I mean, there, I know that there are some people who quite like the idea of having best ball, but where you can do trades and waivers, but the game will do your... Lineup, lineup selection essentially which to to me sometimes sounds like an absolute dream setup but so few sites set it up that way it's either mm. you do you One do nothing other. after the draft or you do everything after the draft so sure but i think it's that thing that best ball is the combination of those three elements so no waivers no trades and but no lineup picking so you it's it's you've got to think through carefully as you're going through that draft that you've got to be thinking for 17 well 16 17 weeks which isn't easy no and what i found myself doing this year is drafting players like Tua and justin herbert who i know aren't going to be on the field week one but are going to come onto the field at some point throughout this season and then compete for my starting quarterback role in my best ball lineup so on the flip side, you could you could double up with the Terod Taylor and Justin Herbert duo so that you know one of those guys is going to be playing and that there's not going to be a point in your season where Terod gets benched and you don't get any more points for him throughout the season. So it's just coming up with interesting tactics like that to ensure that, as you mentioned, there is, there is no waivers, there is no trades, to ensure that you're getting the most points throughout. And players like Antonio Brown, we know he's going to be suspended for the for the first eight games of the season. But the likelihood is that some team will take a gamble on him if they can if he can just come in there and even if he plays one week, he um, he was one of the I think he was top ten points per game in fantasy last year because of the one game that he played for the for the New England Patriots where he scored the touchdown. So it's players like that that are going to come in later on in the season and have an impact on your best ball team where you could have been hit by injuries, they're going to come in fresh and really help you out. Because a lot of a lot of best balls, it's an elimination. So you will get paired up against somebody. And if you if you don't score as many points as the person in week one, you're out and your season's over already. So a lot of it's an elimination. So you've got to really have a, a long season plan in, uh, in best ball. And congratulations to anyone in best ball who drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the fifth or sixth, seventh round this year. <laughs> uh, you you have just won your draft, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, so far, I mean, 
there needs to be a season first, and he needs to not opt out himself. True. And I can't congratulate anyone with Daryl Williams just yet. But a, <laughs> a rookie who is um, who's going to have the starting running back role in Kansas City this year. If he opts out, having got no money, I think that would be the biggest shock that we've seen so far in this yeah. crazy 2020. Um, you never know what's going on at home, but yes, it would be a huge uh, surprise. Yeah, Consi- considering James Connor has come out as a cancer survivor and said he's not opting out. Yeah, that's which I thought was which. Considering I've been avoiding Connor in the last few weeks because of that very reason, uh, the fact that he came out with that had to. I was scrambling to have to rearrange my values. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's it's a weird season. So my advice to anybody would be to not invest too much money into fantasy this season and and all mm. that. Uh, not not for charity. If it's a charity league, go for it and, and donate, of course, because there's there's plenty of of worthwhile causes out there. But for those leagues where you play for a pot of money, I would I would perhaps just limit yourself this year because, like you said, James, at this point, we might not get a season. Obviously, we're recording this podcast tonight as if we are, and of course, we, we hope and pray that we do. But there is the strong possibility that we don't, and even so, we've got another week or so of players having the ability to opt out. And somebody that you take first, second, third round could opt out of the season and you lose all those points. So, my, yeah, my top advice, especially in best ball, where you can't then pick up the, the handcuff or the next best player available, would be to not invest um, money at all, really, into, into those kind of things where you play for a pool. Um, unless it, of course, is a charity league where the money is going to a worthwhile cause. So our best ball league that we're doing at the moment it is a super flex league, and that is the first time that we are talking about that on this podcast. But a super flex is where your flex spot is super. And that is super because you can play a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, or tight end. So, of course, in our best ball league, the computer will naturally pick the best person to put in there. But nine, well, 99 times out of 100, you are going to play two quarterbacks in that role. So, how does that affect the draft, James? Massively. It's probably <laughs> one of the... I'd say it's probably the biggest sort of draft shake-up methodology that there is. Well, along yeah. with two quarterback. Two quarterback and Superflex, to many people, are the same thing. But yeah. in Superflex, you do get the added flexibility that some people can go with one quarterback or with two quarterbacks and leave it at two, so knowing that their bye weeks, their super flex is going to be either a running back, a wide receiver or a tight end, um, which is a legitimate tactic. But essentially, when you suddenly have two quarterbacks per team, so in a 12-team league, that's 24 quarterbacks that are probably going to start. There are 32 teams in the league, of which there are probably still four teams where you couldn't be confident who the starter is going to be throughout the season. So there are probably still four teams where you would have two quarterbacks that are potentially drafted. I'm looking at Chicago as one of them, for example. Um, and you've got all those where the rookies may come in later as well. So, But this basically makes quarterback more of a position scarcity, which means that they're more valuable, which means suddenly you think your top four picks are going to be Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara and Zeke, and suddenly Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are coming in there because there is quite a disparity between those two and the third best quarterback, in my opinion. So you, you're sort of getting there is a heavy trend at the moment from all the leagues I've seen that have been super flex, where it's 
pretty much CMC, Saquon, Mahomes and Jackson as the top four in any old order. Albeit CMC tends to be first still, even in that mode. Uh, but you're going to see quarterbacks going really early. And by, say, the sixth round, if you don't have two quarterbacks on your roster already, you're looking at those sorts of teams where you don't know which quarterback you're is going to be playing. It's probably going to be your quarterback two. Um, and you, if you have two quarterbacks, you're thinking about picking one of them as your three to cover your bye week. So if you if you if you sort of leave it too late, you could end up with a combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua, and Mitch Trubisky as your three, and you're not winning that league. No. But I suppose this is where I would prefer to draft at, say, six or seven, because I know that I'm getting a, a really top-tier running back there, because we've seen the likes of Mahomes and uh, Jackson go in those first five picks. But I know that I'm getting one of those next tier down quarterbacks on the turn. So I can get my top level running back and then I can get your Dax or your Wilsons or your Watsons again on the turn coming back into the into the second round. So I think I would rather leave Mahomes and Jackson here, get my top level running back in the first and then grab my quarterback in the second and then let those people that drafted Jackson and Mahomes fight it out for those running backs at the, the back end of the second round. So, Rob, what, what's your opinion on that? Would you rather get Mahomes or Jackson in the first five picks or would you rather wait a little bit in the first round and then get to your quarterback in the second? No, I, I, I still think as much it is te- as it's more tempting to grab one of those two guys early doors, and I can understand why people do, I'm still waiting on quarterback and we discussed this on our mock draft episode because uh, episodes uh, because that was super flex wasn't it so yeah. um you know it was we discussed it then it was it's, yeah obviously these guys are going to go and I don't have a I don't have an issue with anyone who does draft Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes uh, in the first round and first five picks whatever um but me personally I I will always wait until the sort of third fourth round until I pick up my 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 quarterbacks yeah same i'm the same as you there i um i know that i can find value later on but but like you said james even though you did deploy the the zero qb strategy in our super flex <laughs> mock draft um you 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 can't leave it too late because then you are really really scraping the barrel for those quarterbacks and it's really important that again you're looking at fantasy football calculator uh, it's not super flex, super flex per se, but if you select the two quarterback option on there, it tells you the same information. It, it lets you know where those players are going to go and it gives you a good idea. And we can start to build our draft plans and we can start to identify when we're going to target the players in those, in those leagues. So while we're talking about super flex, we'll talk about something that has been introduced to me um, in the last couple of years, and that is a tight end premium league. So in a PPR you get a point per reception regardless of who receives the ball. However, in a tight end premium league, the tight end gets more points per reception than a wide receiver or a running back, typically an extra half point. How does that affect the league, James? Again, this just bumps up the points in tight ends. And this is where you realise quite how scarce the tight end position is. And suddenly the higher tier ones are worth a lot more. You remember, I sort of remember the times where Gronk used to be considered as a wide receiver sometimes because of how high he went in drafts and that the next best 
tight end was a miles away. Um, but if this one, it makes all of them feel like the Gronk of those years in terms of you've got your Kettles, your Kelsey's, your Ertz, and Mark Andrews. I'd say those four suddenly so get a premium into your, sort of your first two or three rounds. Um, some Titan premium leagues work differently. Some of them you say it's one and a half points per reception. Some of them it goes as though their yardage increases as well. It's like one yeah. and a half times every stat. And those ones are where you've really got to think, I need to draft my tight end early. I need a relevant one. Um, so, especially in best ball, where you're probably going to want to load up a load of tight ends so that you, you in the hope that one's going to hit. So, um, essentially, it's you've got to keep an eye on those top four, I would say, when they go. If you want one of them to become yours, you're going to have to keep an eye out because otherwise you're probably, you, you may be at a disadvantage from the outset. Yeah. And this is, this is where it's so important to know the league settings before you start. So you know where these players are going to go. I've uh, just finished the, the Steve Rains bowl. And in that, that is a massive tight end premium. Um, that is favored on targets and uh, receptions, etc. And, Travis Kelsey went first overall in that draft. And I was just sat there like, oh, this is going to be an interesting one. And um, in all the different divisions, the ADP was all over the show. Um, so it's it's really important to know your league settings and to adjust your rankings accordingly based on those settings. So, And it was the same in our best ball, wasn't it? Because didn't Kelsey go first overall in our best ball? I think he went second overall in ours. Second was it? Because it, it was this tight end premium, but it's super flex. But right. I still think one hundred and one was CMC. <laughs> yeah, because it confused me because I didn't realise it was a, a, t- a tight end premium, a double points for for tight ends, and I was like, "What's going on?" Uh, tight, Travis Kelsey's just gone one hundred and two, and uh, Tim was like, "Yeah, it's a tight end premium." I was like, "Ah, I see. <laughs> tight end premium plus super flex." So suddenly your value of Sort of, you know, your running backs who don't yeah. catch the ball is suddenly plummeting. Yeah. You know, you, I'm talking someone like Derek Henry, Derek Henry, <laughs> Derek Henry, Leonard, <laughs> Derek Henry, Leonard Fournette. Whoa, Leonard Fournette is a pass catcher. This is the this is the one thing that I want to do this off season is to quash the rumors <laughs> that Leonard Fournette can't catch the ball. He had almost identical receiving stats to Alvin Kamara last year, and yes, Alvin Kamara was playing injured, but Leonard Fournette can catch the ball, and I don't care that they brought in Chris Thompson. But this is <laughs> this is something that I feel passionate about. And I will. I have planted my flag. And I will die on this hill. <laughs> right. I. I have last week, uh, David. I sent you a little sound bite, which is going to go in here, which is a choo choo. <laughs> All aboard the hype train is leaving platform one around about now. <laughs> All aboard the Leonard Funnett hype train, and uh, it is hype training against the hype train. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> that's when you put hype train against hype train. Do you know what you get? A collision. <laughs> <laughs> A derail. This, this, this is the hype. The hype train. The hype train disaster. <laughs> I hate Jacksonville this year. I believe that they're just going to pass the ball all the time and let Gardner Minshew scramble. They brought in a famous receiving back, yet I am still still flying this flag and I will die on this very, very lonely hill. 
that is Leonard Fournette can receive. Uh, I'm I'm halfway up the hill. I'm looking up at you, going, "You go, buddy. I'm right behind you." <laughs> and then James is so far at the bottom of the hill that uh, he's. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. I'm, I'm looking. I'm just sat at the bottom, looking at the weather forecasts, and going, "Nope, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go find Mountain Rescue and tell them to warm up the chopper." <laughs> Well, that, that got a slight, um, yeah. That I'm, was a detour. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> it's something I feel very, very passionate about, clearly. So that is our tight end premium league. Let's say where those running backs that can't catch the ball, such as Derek Henry and nobody else in the league, <laughs> um, <laughs> suddenly become devalued. But you can get some really great value on those running backs and wide receivers towards the end of the first round. And we're going to talk about auction next, which is something that I have never done. I've been itching to do, and it sounds so great. But uh, Rob and James, you are the, the veteran auctioneers in the room. And we, we were talking off air about the possibility of, of starting one up for, for FTNY. So to keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, Rob, start us off. Auction leagues. Yeah, auction leagues are very different to to your standard snake drafts. Um, you, you literally you can there is a world where you can have multiple top ten players. Uh, you get set a a budget. Um, usually, I think it's usually two hundred dollars. I believe uh, is on yeah. ESPN, um, and you have to bid four players against your other league mates, and the highest bid wins. And these bids can go on for ages. They could go on for two or three minutes where you're just, uh, you know, when you get one of the big players, uh, for example, when everyone, all 10 people go in for him, you know, Cap, uh, CMC, for example, uh, everyone's bidding for him and it's the last man, last man standing. You, usually CMC goes for 70, 80, maybe even $90. So it's almost like almost half your budget just for one player. Uh, but that's where you have to strategize because uh, I go into auction drafts with a uh, percentage of uh, how much okay. I'm willing to spend on each position. Um, and I, you have to be strict with it. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It, you'll get your bargains, um, but you'll also be very tempted to overpay for people. Um, you know, but it, again, it works both ways. It, I have sat there, a couple of years ago on an auction draft and I ended up with three, what I would call first rounders. Um, I didn't have a lot else because I spent <laughs> a lot of money on those yeah. three guys. Um, but then you're, you know, you, you then go into sleepers and, and you wait to the end of the draft where you can pick up bargains for one, two, three dollars. Uh, but it's a very interesting, different kind of strategy way of drafting, which is fun. And I, I really enjoy it. How about you, James? What, what do you think about auction drafts? I, I love them because you get so many different kinds of roster construction because yeah. in Snake, you're pretty much going to, you, you could probably, if you followed ADP, you, you're going to get every team being roughly similar. Yeah. Certainly in the first sort of eight rounds, you would probably say most you know tandems are going to go pretty close together. Whereas in this, you can have someone who goes for three first rounders and then is going for the, for the dollar bin, as I call it, all the way down the bottom. And then you get people who bid on no players for what you would seem, you know, for maybe the first 15, 20 players. And then suddenly comes in and everyone realizes, oh, they're a cash shark. They've got everything. So mm. the different formats are great. Um, the other, one of the key things also to think in auction is that there is still an order, but the order is for when you get to choose your player. So yes. essentially 
you know, you say it's a 12 team league, each person in order selects a player and it can be any player. So it doesn't go in your ADP order. It's whoever that person selects. So you can be very tactical with who you pick. And that's quite a lot of the psychology when it comes yeah. to auction drafts. So if you, if you're after a certain player, what you do is deliberately you do not pick them yourself. Yes. So it's a bit like poker. You don't show your hand early or you don't show the strength of your hand. But what you do is you get people to waste money on players who you think because they're early, people are going to go, oh, I want that guy. Yeah, And they're going to bid up and bid up and suddenly use more of their stack. And suddenly you're there when your player comes on going, I maybe don't have to pay quite as much of a premium. Jobs are good. Yeah. So, and also it's, it's all the people who you sort of a lower price, who you value, who you think are going to be the sleepers, save those till the very end when people are, you know, haven't got the money to be able to bid up on them. And suddenly you can sort of have it there. You've got to be disciplined and understand, you know, you've got a whole roster to construct, but the tactics, it's, there's a lot of psychology that goes into it as well as just, you know, the spending your budget and picking the players. So, it's got so many different facets that it's brilliant. I just wish more people liked it, but it's yeah. just the time. I think its biggest knock on it is just how long it takes. You need to be have all 12 people in the room and they need to probably have, you know, two to three hours available, which is probably what puts most people off because sometimes you can get a snake draft done in, say, 45 minutes, whereas this is going to be going on well into, you know, two two and a half hours. I remember once having a four-hour one because the roster wow. was so deep. And I got, I think I got, and this was with people across the pond as well. So it, it got to a point at about half past two in the morning where I just <laughs> set a list of people who were only going to be a dollar. I spent as much of my budget as I could. And I just said, right, here's a list of players who I might like. Just give me a team. I've got what I want. <laughs> yeah. I am off to bed. I will see you in the morning. I th- it, you made a brilliant point there with, and that is a, a really key thing that I would say in auction draft. Don't put forward the player you want. Let other people waste money on players you don't want. Uh, that's, that's a really good one. Um, but a funny story that I will just quickly tell you. There is also, you can be sneaky, um, but it's very rare that you could do this. But three years ago, Pittsburgh Steelers had a fullback called David Johnson. <gasps> yes. And, yeah, oh, no. yeah. So I did it and in, in two or three auction leagues and I put David Johnson forward. Now, all it takes is for two or three people to not understand what's going or not to see the team. Uh, this, was when, this is when David Johnson was in his heyday three, three yeah. years ago. And I think in one of my leagues, he went for about $45. And he, he was a fullback for the Pittsburgh Steelers and got, I think he got five fantasy points the whole season. Oh, dear me. <laughs> I, I love being that person who's just a bit of a, you know, a bit of a muppet um, when it comes to that, and I just put it forward, and it was hilarious. And the rest of the league just stayed completely quiet, <laughs> let these two guys battle it out, and then at the end, we just fell about laughing. It was brilliant. Yeah. So my my key piece of advice for for an auction league, even though I've never done one, is to never draft with Rob. So um... <laughs> <laughs> it's read the full name. <laughs> yes. I mean, there was yes. was, it, was it there was another there was another famous one one year where it was the same first initial, same surname, and same team. Well, it'd be interesting um, for Duke and David Johnson this year. Oh, massively. Well, yeah. I, f- I feel like it might have been. No, I thought it was in different D Johnson who was with Arizona at the time, but actually I'm not sure now. Maybe. But um yeah, there was there was there was one that 
that happened in a lot of leagues. Yeah. Yeah, what a nightmare. But so I think the analogy of of poker sounds really good for the for the auction lease and how you've just described it. And I suppose you've got to keep an eye on other people's pots. And if you're saving the players that you want towards the end, and you can see that someone's not spent a lot of their money, you're going to yep. be in for a battle, and you could be left with your your bargain bargain basement players at the end. So yep. yeah, it sounds it sounds such an interesting concept, and definitely I will I will get into one before the season starts. I take it we're not putting $200 of our own money down. It is um, all fictitious. It's virtual currency, and yes. I'm not talking Bitcoin. But, I, uh, <laughs> but David, good point. I am in for a $200 league. Let's do it. Real money, baby. Let's do it. Me and you. <laughs> I'll go drag out the Monopoly set. <laughs> right. Let's, uh, let's see how the, the poll goes on the Twitter results for our fantasy mock draft from last time. And then, uh, then I'll make the decision as to whether, uh, <laughs> as to whether I enter this league as to, to how good I am at, at pitching. But um, no, it sounds, sounds a really interesting one, definitely. And I think the only one that we've, that we've not covered here is a rookie dynasty league we um, got sidetracked with the best ball a little bit earlier on so we talked about the startup league and the different tactics there but once a year we have the the rookie league where the nfl players well the college players that have transitioned into the nfl are available for fantasy players how much college football do you have to have watched how much research do you have to have done and um how much about landing spots is a rookie draft rob uh, well, it always helps if you watch college football um, because you know exactly what you're getting. And I mean, I, I love watching college football. Um, you'll hear me hear me next week on the Full 10 Yards College podcast. Um, and I think that gives you a leg up because, like I said, you know, you know exactly what you're getting. You watch tape, you watch, um, you, you see these players progress and how they deal with, uh, you know, working. Like, for example, Cam Akers this year at FSU last year was behind a terrible O-line. Uh, but he was still pretty good. And he goes to Los Angeles Rams, who have got a terrible O-line. Well, O-line. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there's a correlation. So Cam Akers is used to playing behind a bad O-line. Yeah. Whereas if you put someone like Clyde Ebersolaire, who's behind the LSU O-line, um, or, or uh, you know, with guys who, who are behind a good O-line, and you put them into the Rams, who are suddenly behind a terrible O-line, then... Um, you know, they probably won't succeed. But Cam Akers, again, that's the kind of correlation you make when you're watching college through, through that rookie draft process. Um, but yeah, so I think it's key. I think it's really, really key that you do have an interest in these lads before they come into the NFL. Um, but it, for me, the, obviously the biggest one is, is landing spot. It's, it's, it's positional landing spot. Uh, Clyde Ebersolaire, we, we've talked about him already today and, and in the last podcast. He, you know, he's been given an opportunity in an offense which should use the running back. Um, ignore, if you, if you were one of the lucky, uh, eager-eyed uh, <laughs> listeners of ours uh, who was on the website for four Five minutes before the David William, uh, the uh, Damian Williams news broke, you would have seen a bust article from me with Clyde Edwards-Alaire in it, which was taken down <laughs> ASAP when that news <laughs> dropped about David Damian Williams. Um, but like I said, that that's the beauty of it. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has gone to a, a, a place where he should be successful, especially now with this Damian Williams news. Um, so, so yeah, again, it's it's you're you're making the correlation between who is this player from college, what position is he in now um, with with the NFL team that he's landed on. Yeah, and a lot of people have said about uh, Jonathan Taylor, like 
Uh, oh yeah, he was only good at Wisconsin because of the O line there. It's like, well, well, guess what? He's going to Indianapolis. Who? Have, yeah. <laughs> guess what? They, yeah. They've got yeah. the best O line in the league, kind of thing. So it's it's all about understanding the relationship between college and NFL and how that player is going to transition. Understanding target shares and carry shares. Understanding what kind of volume that they're going to get and really deciding as to what their worth is in this. So, so James, how do you value players here? So if, you're, if you've won your draft the year before, as um, Rob's friend in the last episode had, had won his... Uh, <laughs> won his league. Yeah, his anonymous named friend. Um, are, you, are you bothered about those picks? Are you wanting to, to, to get rid of those? Or would you, do you enjoy trying to grab the, the, the value in the, in the back end of each round? This is where being in the fantasy football community in the sort of analyst side, shall we say, has changed my opinion over the last few years. Because I do keepers and dynasties, which just to touch on keeper, because we haven't done that yet, is keeper leagues are very similar to dynasties, but you can't keep every player. So the idea is that some of the veterans will go into the pot and suddenly you can draft veterans and rookies. Now, the difference with a keeper draft as in, so a keeper mid, well, what do you call it really? It's a pre-season draft for the following year, a non-startup, shall we say. Yeah. In a keeper league, you've got a lot more depth because you get to pick out the veterans as well. And suddenly those high-end picks are a lot more viable because you're probably going to get people who in the startup may have been seventh or eighth rounders or you know, there may be a few sort of diamonds in the rough that you can pick, depends how many keepers there are. But also you've got your rookies as well. But if we go back to what you know, the original topic in Dynasty and where it's true rookies, for many years I was always trading away my draft picks for sort of current capital and playing the win now game all the time. And you know, I was never that interested. I was like, I'll trade away a second round pick for someone who's gonna get into my flex spot every so often. I don't I don't mind because that's an absolute dart throw and I don't have that magic wand or you know i don't have the crystal ball that tells me you know that second round pick's gonna hit and you look in previous drafts and you sometimes go that guy went in the second round well he's a bust and you sort of look back at that but you do realize after you've been in this game a while that some of them are going to hit and some of them the opportunity is just too good where it's it's understanding where your league values picks if if there are some leagues i'm in where the people in there will value draft picks so highly that you're as well draft, you know, sending yours away because the value you get back is so good. And yeah. in some, they're, they're just you know, treated like, you know, unless it's a first round, I don't care. In which case, sometimes it's worth trying to sneak in the odd third or second just to have another dart throw, depending on how deep your roster is. Um, say, I used to be a, I'll trade away everything, including my firsts, to get a player who I can win now, even if they are going to retire next year. <laughs> Uh, I learned that lesson the hard way, especially in leagues where uh, there are 24 teams and quarterbacks are at a premium, um, as in where a first-round pick will not necessarily get you a quarterback. Uh, that being said, that was a year where <laughs> there was a year, there was a year in that where let's just say that I went on what could only be described as a Cinderella run and just fell short with a combination of. Kyle Rudolph and who was who backed up um, in Minnesota before Kirk Cousins came along? Case Keenum. Case that Keenum. was the one, Case Keenum. Yeah. So I, I had a bit of a Keenum Rudolph stack going and it got me to a semi final effectively wow. <laughs> um, nice. as Cinderella runs go. But I had no draft capital for the next five years because 
whoever I picked the team up off of had pretty much tra- traded everything away for stuff that retired. Hence why I got that team and why it was a bit of a Cinderella run. But um, yes, yeah, so I've gone way off tangent again. But um, yeah, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming your uh, 24 league, 24 team league wasn't a super flex. Uh, no, you'll be pleased to hear. Albeit <laughs> it was, it's um, super taxing. I would call it. <laughs> Where Taysom Hill all of a sudden becomes a uh, third round pick. He is my backup. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we head over to IDP. And yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. <laughs> so um, unfortunately, unfortunately, there we're not going to be able to cover IDP. Um, because that's for it, another pod. Yeah, we'll um, we'll discuss that one in another pod because that, um, you can find that on the full ten yards IDP fantasy group, which is available somewhere. <laughs> yeah, IDP um, is it includes defensive players? I think that's what the I stands for. Individual, individual. Ah, defensive okay. Well, it's, in- it, if put it put it this way, listeners, if you want to know stuff about IDP. There are plenty of there are plenty of uh, things out there on the internet. Albeit, I do play a few IDP leagues and I do commission one. So, if you want to at NFL hype train with any of your questions, feel free. I do talk. <laughs> I do apologise, James. Uh, we have got somebody in the room who uh, does IDP, and not well, I, uh, but I do it. Well, <laughs> I, I also play IDP. Oh, I do well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a commissioner of an IDP league, but no, it's fine, David. You you know you you carry on slating us, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well. I don't I, we could cover it in the two minutes we have left in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I actually am in. I'm going to surprise you now and actually tell you that I'm in two IDP leads. Um, so my your will. <laughs> well, um, one of them is a IDP keeper league with the the UK 49ers, and the other one was my home league. So we somebody was campaigning for an IDP in our home league, even though they don't want PPR, they, they wanted IDP, which was um, odd, to say the <laughs> least. Um, so we set up a standalone, purely IDP, no no offensive players. Oh, 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 wow. um, Dynasty League. Um, I've been so, in one of those and it was pain. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we set that up and it very much fizzled out going into the mm. third year. So... What I sneakily did was we because we they gave up they uh, <laughs> we missed the the rookie draft so um, <laughs> eventually when the league reset itself I just went in off waivers and just picked up all of the rookies and I think it was the um, the Joey Bosa year so um, I was able to get Joey Bosa and a, a stud of uh, a load of studs there and it's safe to say I, I won I won the league that year and that was the only league I won that year and I, I didn't cheat. But um, yeah, that was that was my only IDP experience, which I, I guess the league's still technically going on, but um, nobody pays it any attention. So I, I I've not told a little white lie. This year is my first IDP league, and I set up as a commissioner a league because I wanted to have a fantasy league, which was as close to the real thing as possible without using salary. So I did toy with the idea of using salary as well, but that I think was a bit too much. But what I've done is I've literally done. Uh, one quarterback, uh, two running backs, three wide, uh, three wide receivers, uh, one tight end, uh, kicker, defense. Oh no, sorry, not defense. Because IDP league, uh, and then three defensive linemen, three 
linebackers and two defensive backs. So it's a, I've called it the Madden League because it's, it's literally, I think, as realistic as it will get to having a full team roster. Yeah. There's also like 15 um, bench spots as well. So that's why I did it. The only IDP that league that I'm in is, just like I said, starting this year. So it's a new thing for me. Uh, but it was really good drafting. I uh, really enjoyed it. I love my team as well, which helps. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking yeah. forward to playing you in the final. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Yeah, I guess the top tip there is tackling machines. So uh, Darius Leonard is the consensus. Um, Christian McCaffrey, if you like, and um, safeties, safeties that can uh, tackle on ball hawk are premiums in those leagues. Cornerbacks, lockdown cornerbacks are pretty much useless in, uh, yeah. in IDP leagues because yeah. they. Um, they don't, don't get, get targeted. targeted. They don't get the ball. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, he's one of the best. Um, well, he it probably is the best cornerback in the league. Yet he's a useless IDP player because nobody throws the ball his way. So it's, um, again, a completely different way of, of thinking about things. And being the best isn't necessarily the f- best fantasy, which, of course, it is on the offensive side of things as well. But generally, if you're a good offensive player, you, um, you score the fantasy points. So last week... We had a game of play your ADP right, James. It wasn't the best showing <laughs> from you last week, and uh, Rob, you managed to get to round nine out of ten. I did. How are we feeling about it this week? Are we going to see the full sweep get all the way through to the end? If I can understand which one is higher and which one is lower, I might have a better chance. <laughs> I'm just trying to uh, just trying to remember what we did last week. <laughs> so. I think by, right on Rob's run, if he said lower, it meant the number of the of the actual pick was lower. So 1.1 was the lowest, and 15.10 was the highest. Was it? No, I, guess. I can't remember. No, no you, it, was, it, was it was the other way round. I don't know. You Whatever. see, you see why I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the most logical way. A low number is a high draft pick. And are we going to agree for those rules <laughs> moving forwards? Shall we say earlier or later and just completely right. ruin Ooh, it? Like it. Earlier or later. Yeah, okay. that works. That works. No, that contra- works. no controversy then. I mean, yeah, that what, works. What, what are we doing next? What are we doing next week? Price is right. <laughs> Generation game. <laughs> Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) Rob, you are up first this week. Okay, the first player is the Buffalo Bills quarterback, also your quarterback from the mock draft at 9.03. We have got Josh Allen. Are you going earlier or later with this draft pick? I'll go earlier. Okay, the wheel is spinning, and it is Jarvis Landry. Oh, that'd be tight. That is close. That'd be really seven, tight. 7.07. Okay. So you've Not scraped so through. Earlier or later than Jarvis Landry at 7.07. Earlier. He's gone for earlier. The wheel spins and lands on Russell Wilson. Oh, that's going to be tight as well. <laughs> 5.12. Okay. That's you say. Yeah. Okay. Earlier or later than Russell Wilson at 5.12. Uh, later. He's gone for later. It has landed on James White. Surely that is going to be later. It is 7.02. A lot of mid-round picks here. It's, uh, it's very difficult. So are you going earlier or later than 7.02 and James White? Later. He's gone for later. And it is Jared Cook. 
at 9.12. So, Jared Cook, the later gamble pays off. Are you going earlier or later than Jared Cook at 9.12? Earlier. He's gone for earlier. The wheel spins. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are... that's very right now to the draft there. Although a lot of people saying they are going to be the top defense this year. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a no, unfortunately, here. So the ADP of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, I am struggling to find. I Oh, look higher. Look higher. This could be, it could be eighth round. <laughs> Unless they didn't no. even make it onto your board. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, unfortunately, they are 11.01, so it was closer than I anticipated. Um, uh, how so, many did I get? Uh, you got up to number six. So, James, we are going to try and better last week's performance, which won't be hard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You, I, I'm always fearing the first one now. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll spin a couple of times to get you a nice, easy one. But are you going earlier or later than the Pittsburgh Steelers' defence? earlier I, I don't believe it <laughs> i'm not sure where this is going to land it is curtis samuel <gasps> oh oh no it's 14.09 well i i i set a low bar and still managed to not meet <laughs> i'm so sorry james but for the second week in a row Rob takes the spoils in player ADP rights. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's something I can say to that. Take that hype train back to the station, boy. (laughs) It is now 15-1 on the series. (laughs) Brilliant. I can't wait for next week. I can't lose. I'm still going to be ahead. But James, you can certainly eat into that deficit hopefully next week for another round of Play Your ATP Right. And moving into the last segment of the show, it's everybody's favourite. It's time for... Trade of the Day. And we've got two easier ones this week. Well, hopefully easier. Um, there's no more than two sides per tra- uh, two items per side of the trade. Rob, we'll go first. On one side, we have got... Odell Beckham Jr. and Dare, arguably the, the Tampa Bay running back. Agumbawale. Dare Agumbawale. Dare Agumbawale. And on the other side of the ball, we've got Marquise Hollywood Brown and a 2022 first round pick. Um, man, um, I like I like OBJ to have a bit of a bounce back this year. I think he's is. Definitely, um, you know, a good value at the moment. Uh, Dare Agumbawale, he could be okay this year because he might have the James White role that you know was so fruitful in New England with with Tom Brady. Um, so that could be a good pairing. But I really like Marquise Hollywood Brown. And did you say a twenty twenty one first? Did you say twenty twenty two? So we've really not got much sights uh, to where that'll be. Yeah, there's. I'd probably stick with OBJ and Dario Ogumbawale. <laughs> uh, he think... wanted to go into the Lions' seats tonight whenever I hear, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Continuing the musical interludes on this podcast. Yes. We, we <laughs> are missing the last two episodes, I think. Full 10 yards the musical at some point with uh, Alexander Matheson <laughs> and Dare Ogumbawale. Um, <laughs> um, I think I'm, the only reason I'd be tempted to go Hollywood Brown and the first round pick is for fear of having to say Dare Ogumbawale. <laughs> Again and again. Um, however, I am I am staring to, to OBJ and Dare, and that is not the opinion of Twitter. Fifty five percent of Twitter went for Marquise Brown and the twenty twenty two. It's tight. It's definitely tight. It, it is and, tight. And, uh, thank God it's not Dare Agumbugwale and and Albert Ogwugbugbugbubunum. That would be a nightmare. And throw two in there as well, just to just to really. Tangavala. No, we've got that one set. Tangavala. We've got that one set out. <laughs> okay, and then moving over to you, James. We've got a Dynasty Superflex PPR League. It is, and it, it wouldn't be a show without him. Jamie's Winston and Cooper Cup for Kenyon Drake. Oh, oh, <laughs> please let me answer this question in a minute. James, go first. <laughs> oh, it depends on what your belief is on Jamie's Winston. I mean, setting. <laughs> Setting Rob up a little bit here. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> considering this this is... I mean, I'm just predicting with Rob here because on the, on the basis that he's probably the only person who has belief in James Winston and also one of the few people who really hates on Kenyon Drake. And so one, of the, few pe- he's one of the few people that has Cooper Cup as a top five wide receiver <laughs> as well. I'll be honest. This is where I have a problem. Again, with, let's see if we can ignore roster construction here and just say that the benches are deep. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think overall, the sensible person in me says Kenyon Drake is probably the better likelihood to score you the most this season. But there is the part of me that says I prefer to have Cooper Cup. Um, so it's another one where if you're running back needy, take the Drake side. If you're wide receiver needy, take the Cup side. And if you are literally stacked at both positions, I'd take Cooper Cup because his name is much more fun. <laughs> and Jameis well to be honest if you've got a deep enough bench if Drew Brees does go down or if he is the future in New Orleans you have that bullet ready to go let's, and that crab ready to eat let's just let's call a spade a spade Jameis Winston is the future goat but we know this <laughs> it's a fact um, Cooper Cup is potentially in my, in my rankings he's a top five wide receiver and Kenyon Drake is running back 16 for me there's your answer which is interesting since his ADP I think is in the, is creeping into the first round which oh. is very yes. very very too early oh. in my in my books I've, okay. I've seen him go at 111 in a few drafts I no, am in no, 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 and no, no, no. I no, 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 no. had to giggle ever so slightly so my my remastered um, anti-draft post uh, is <laughs> is going to be out this week because obviously I had to take off Clyde Edwards. Um, um, so that's been remastered and it will be out this week. So please do check it out because I tell you why you shouldn't draft Drake this year. I'm very set against that. And Cooper Cup, I think we forget that he was the wide receiver for in both PPR and standard scoring leagues last year. And that is just the most... 
under the radar wide receiver four finish in that was with football history. That was with a poor second half of the season as well. Yeah. He was just lightning in that first half. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you know, he was coming off an, he was coming off a torn ACL. You know, he, he tore his ACL the year before. And, you know, people were saying, oh, he had a rubbish end to the season. Yeah, you know, he, of course he would have done. He was injured at the beginning of the season. We wasn't sure. he was. There was rumours that he was going to be on the PUP. Mm. Uh, and he yeah. wasn't. And he played. He was fantastic. And he just ran out of steam. So this year, I think Cooper Cup is a great, great steal in fantasy football. No yeah. Brandon Cooks, so you are looking at Cup and Woods, and then Josh Reynolds is being the wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. So there's even some targets opened up. Yep. And no Gurley, and indeed not much of a no line. So I think that's going, that ball's going to get tricked about a lot and by Jared. The, the, the defense is not great, so they're going to be behind. There, there's so many positives for Cooper Cup. He is currently my wide receiver four in PPR. In such a strong NFC West as well, like you say, they're going to be behind a lot yeah. this year, the Rams. So a lot of throwing, a lot of receptions and um, Cup's poised for a big season. And 57% of Twitter agree that Cup and Winston are the winners of that trade. So that was Trade of the Day. It has been another fantastic episode. I've had a lot of fun tonight. Uh, Rob, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me um, at FFBritBaller. Any plans for this week? What's what's going on in the world of Rob? Uh, the world of Rob. Uh, I've got a golf tournament that I host. Um, I host a, a series of golf tournaments throughout the year. Obviously, we've been hampered this year. This is the first one at my golf course that I that I work at. Um, so really looking forward to that this year. I'm playing off 21 um, and I'm playing to about 16. So I should have a good chance of winning it. I won it this time last year. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be, good, it'll be a good day out. Fantastic. That sounds great. And what about yourself, James? What's what's up for this week? Um, not an awful lot because I'm still busy working. Um, so it'll be very much another few days of that and looking forward to another weekend of hopefully relaxing and trying to recover from the previous week. So yeah, there's not, not an awful lot going on at the moment in lockdown life. Yeah, very much the same here, James. Rob's life sounds a lot more exciting than that golf <laughs> tournament. It certainly sounds good, and all the best of luck in that. So, finally, where can we find you on Twitter, James? Yeah, I'm at NFL Hype Train. And Rob, how about yourself? Uh, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. FF well, Brit Baller. <laughs> oh, double advertising. Come on. <laughs> James, James, where can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who likes hockey, I am at NHL. I That's actually genuine, by the way, just for anyone, anyone who likes ice hockey. Yeah, anyone, anyone who's into the NHL. I just started up the NHL hype train, which is nothing like my NFL hype train account because it is completely amateur and there's no fantasy to go on on that one at the moment. But I just post some random thoughts on how I'm feeling and then just trying to make a brand, okay? <laughs> when When is the NHL season? Uh, well, put it this way, the players are starting, well, will have started by the time this goes out, 1st of August. So they've had a very, very long pause since March. They were most, well, uh, probably three quarters of the way through their season. And yeah. now they're going into the battle for one of the biggest trophies in the world because physically it is massive. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> the Stanley Cup. Huge. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll be watching that avidly and, uh, you know, rooting on my Pittsburgh Penguins because, well, Pittsburgh is just Sheffield for America. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, 
Disco Penguins. Is it the is it the NHL that has like seven legs of the final? Yeah, so yeah, it's every, best of seven. Every, every round is best of seven. So yeah. yeah, round one, round two, round three, and the final are all best of sevens. Yeah, crazy, crazy. It is. I, I, I lived. I mean, I lived in Canada for uh, four years, and obviously, hockey in Canada is it's huge. It's bigger. <laughs> it's bigger than football is in in England because even the women and the, the kids and everyone is 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 hockey mad. It is just nuts. Which makes it hilarious that no Canadian team has actually won that Stanley Cup since 1993. So very interesting uh, that yeah. it, it, it does it does make for a fun sport. But anyway, yeah. if, if anyone wants to know any more, find me at NHL Hype Train. Fantastic. My only experience of ice hockey, I went to watch Kelowna Higher on the, uh, the German oh, Exchange shit. back in year nine. Uh, what a gate! Yeah, absolutely loved it. The, the atmosphere inside that stadium was they are so electric. Good. It was really I, I, good. I got to play in my final year at uni, and then I've been to the Sheffield Steelers double-digit times now. It's fantastic. fantastic yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think me on the ice trying to, <laughs> trying to st- stay, stay on my feet is, uh, is a big enough achievement. Skating is one thing. Stopping is quite another. Yeah. Yes. Skating uh, and trying yes. to control a little biscuit with a piece of wood is quite another and then trying to get that biscuit past two other guys and the goalkeeper who is as big as the goal is quite yet another albeit yes. I did get a hat trick in a practice I'm not, game I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie I'm just in it for the fighting <laughs> one of those one of those few spots where fighting all you do is you get five minutes on the naughty step and then you're back in the game again yes Brilliant. Well, we we took a very hockey tip. Maybe maybe we start at an F ten Y branch. I am up for what's, it. What's what's like the measurement of what's the equivalent of ten yards in, in hockey? I think, I think that's, to be honest, considering we've just been talking about penalties, I've got the full two minutes. <laughs> there we go. Which is the time of a minor penalty. <laughs> okay, so keep an eye out for the full two minutes. <laughs> Hockey <laughs> podcast um, coming to you. Very, very too far. Yeah. We're gonna get out of it. Let's yeah. go. Let's, yeah. let's, let's go. Let's, let's go. go. I've been David Davenport. You can find me on Twitter at dav underscore f ten y. Make sure you're following us at f ten y fantasy. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you very very soon. Remember, keep those eyes. been listening to the full 10 yards fantasy podcast you can find us on twitter at f10y fantasy and over on our website www.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your american football needs from nfl general fantasy football college football and even britball thanks for listening and remember folks keep those eyes peeled (laughs) 